Huh? They fit in good with me. Well, that's the thing. That's that's how it works well because I, I, yeah, that's God is the God of creativity and definitely sense of humor. Amen, amen. First of all, I'm going to make a pit stop right quick. Um, Tanner mentioned the uh, Hope Center banquet. I cannot underscore enough um, the importance of you guys tuning in to the virtual banquet. I cannot underscore that enough. You see, this pandemic has altered things and a lot of things a lot. And normally there's a whole group of you that actually turn out in person for the Hope Center banquet. We have it across town. And you come out, you get to eat a good dinner, you get to listen to a great speaker, uh, and then there's a, a request and ask for contributions. The Hope Center Banquet serves as a key point in the calendar year for the Hope Center because the Hope Center functions in part by the donations brought in by regular donors and that event, the banquet. So with that said, don't allow this pandemic to change the intent of your heart to support the sanctity of human life, a key core foundational principle found in the very Bible that you read and profess your faith from. Do not let the fact that it's on a computer instead of you going out and getting a dinner don't let that keep you from attending the virtual banquet and then subsequently contributing. Keep in mind that, um, man, I just read a document just yesterday or the day before that I've recently come in uh, to possession of with one of the groups of uh, individuals that are causing so much upheaval in our country right now. And... One of their key uh, plans is to make certain that they make abortions available unapologetically and on a absolute walk-in, come in, ask for it, you've got it basis all day long in key neighborhoods within our country. And the bottom line is, is that we need to be supporting uh, organizations like the Hope Center because they are standing up for not just the idea of unborn babies, but the Hope Center is standing up in the face of adversity that's growing and mounting. They're standing up for the undiluted word of Almighty God. Now, you guys, thank you, you guys got to meet Lauren Venable some months ago. She is a treasure. But more than just a great gal, Lauren Venable is on a mission. And God appointed her to the Hope Center to make sure that within His will, that mission is accomplished. Lauren Venable is the person for the task. She has been called to this position for such a time as this. I would ask you as your pastor, do not disappoint the, the uh, efforts of the Hope Center Corsicana. Attend that virtual banquet. It's going to last. How many of you have ever thought the Hope Center banquet might have gone a little too long at times because of the way live events play out? This banquet is 60 minutes long, flat. Anybody who is interested in upholding God's word, and seeing this mission of preserving the sanctity of human life can attend a virtual banquet for 60 minutes. Amen? Now, I'm just going to put it this way. You guys are children of the Most High. You have been bought by the sacred, holy blood of the only begotten of God, Jesus Christ the Messiah. Guys, this isn't whether or not you're going to go to a movie on Friday. This isn't whether or not what restaurant do you want to go to this night, honey. That's not what this is about. This is about standing up 
for the principles of the kingdom of Almighty God. And I am asking you, I have another, uh, I have a board member for the Hope Center sitting right back there. Stand up. This is one of the board members for the Corsicana Hope Center, and I believe he will agree with everything I have just said. Rob, amen. Do you have anything you want to add? Because this is important. It's about saving babies. Mom. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Rob has served on the Hope Center board uh, for different terms for many years. He's dedicated to this cause. And so with that said, I want to move on to my next thing. But please do not let August 27th slip by without attending that banquet and making a uh, pledge to help that group of people uh, save tiny ones. Amen? Unborn little ones. The second thing that I want to say, and I know I'm taking up a lot of time, is this. My hat is off to our youth department. Our youth department is making a major investment in our youth center. They are over there painting and taping things off and making, uh, helping uh, Gary do construction work over in our youth center. Now, we have three young ladies in our presence this morning who are gifted uh, artists, uh, sketch artists, painters, etc. Um, and they are painting murals on the big walls of the um, restrooms in our youth center. Uh, they're in the ladies' restroom now sketching things out. So they've started painting. And I just want you to know that our youth group is doing an absolutely fantastic job in helping revise and renovate our youth department. Um, if you have been working in as a youth department member, if you've been working on our youth center, can you stand? That, yeah, yeah, that means y'all, those of you who have legs and stuff. Yeah. If you guys are there, let's see here. Okay. Now, before you sit down, before you sit down, all these guys are in here. They've been painting and working on construction and tape masking stuff off and all that other stuff. But these three ladies, I want to call these three ladies out, all the way in the back, Charlie King, Audrey Miles, Sarah Nicholas. These are your three artists. And when you go over into the youth center to see, whatever you do, don't look at the carpet. I mentioned painting. I, I think lots of them, is this the right color? Let's find out. And then they, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but these three are your artists and they are gifted. And I want you to give these guys a hand of a uh, round of applause. My wife and I, join, uh, in, in conjunction, you guys can be seated, thank you all, in conjunction with the rest of the pastoral staff, are dedicated to making sure that starting with the pastors Atkinson, their department and their children, starting there and moving up the line through the youth department and into adulthood, that we have children who grow up knowing what it is to love and serve the Lord in the house of God, and not just serve the Lord in any old way, but serving the Lord in ways that God has gifted them to serve. God has gifted these girls with the, 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 the gift of art, and I could not possibly be more proud of them, and they are just doing a great job. Amen and amen. I am done being... Uh, uh, little Tanner. So, making my announcements. And let's move into the Word of God. Amen. This morning I'm going to be preaching on a subject that I have entitled Having Nothing in Common. Have you ever been around something or someone? Uh, maybe it's an activity or something and the people involved in it and you feel like you are just the one who's out in the cold, you look at what these people are doing or what it is that they're interested in or what it is they're talking about or whatever activity they're involved in, and you're going like, man, I have nothing 
in common with these people. Ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, we have a situation in our world today where you and I have nothing in common with what's happening. Now, I realize that for those who may not really grasp the direction that I've been taking in recent weeks, you may be thinking, man, I wish he'd get off politics. I'm not here to listen about politics. Well, let me make a little something. I just have to correct you. I'm not talking about politics at all. Not in one message have I actually talked about politics. I'm actually talking about the great divide between light and darkness. That's what we're talking about here. And we kind of like the Hope Center, kind of like standing up for the sanctity of human life and the lives of unborn babies. We have to take the front lines in an attempt to make sure that we can save as many of these children as we possibly can? Well, let me use that as an illustration and say, if the body of Christ does not take a forward stance and move forward in His kingdom, in not just prayer, but in action, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to lose our country. Now, some of you may be thinking, and I'm going to get here eventually in this message, that that's just not going to happen. Hold that thought. This morning, we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Let's go there. Do not... Be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I'm going to, you guys have been hearing me say that we've been learning about God's Word for decades, and now we've come to a point in our lives where we need to live God's Word, right? You've been hearing me say that, or something to that effect. This opening sentence in our text here, everybody here knows this. This is the text we use when we tell our young people, don't get married to people who aren't of like faith or who are lost. Right? That's what we do. Well, let me show you the fact that in our country today, if the body of Christ doesn't stand up and move forward, stop playing defense and begin an offensive move. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be yoking ourselves together by default with unbelievers. You've never heard that before, likely, but that's what it is that we're trying to get across this morning. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we, did you catch it? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's a declarative statement. He said, this is what I'm going to do. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. How hard have we worked, not even knowing it, at not coming out and being separate? Not even knowing that we're doing it, we're doing more blending than separating as the church today. Why is that? Oh, we could go into all kinds of various dark and nefarious reasons, but the reality is, is we don't want to be uncomfortable. 
We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be separate. But the Bible gives us direct orders. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. The King James there reads, touch not the unclean thing. And for years I've heard people try to figure out what in the world is the unclean thing. Well, let me tell you what the unclean thing is. The unclean thing isn't the the at all. It's all of it. It's all the unclean stuff. Don't touch it. That is what helps to make you separate. But that's not the stuff we want to do because we'd rather blend. I want to love God. I want to go to church. I want to worship Jesus. But don't make me stand out. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We have arrived at a point in our nation's history where believers in Jesus Christ have to make a stand. By make a stand, I do not mean... Some confession of faith where on one hand, believers profess their allegiance to Christ as Savior, while on the other hand, aligning themselves with a political party, group, or movement whose platform consists of the abortion of unborn children, same-sex marriage, and non-binary gender identification, all because it serves their socioeconomic, ethnic, or financial needs and preferences. That stance right there is a biblical impossibility. Either your profession of faith is one where you not only confess Christ as your Savior, but you uncompromisingly align yourself with His teaching as found in the Bible, regardless of whether it personally benefits you in this life or not. Or, by virtue of your political affiliation and your subsequent default approval of that platform, You are no disciple of Christ, and therefore no Christian, and will be judged as such. The book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the third chapter, beginning in the 15th verse, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Fascinating point about those scriptures in Revelation 3 is the Lord Jesus is speaking to the Laodicean church. The Laodicean church, as all of the churches of Asia Minor, spoken about and spoken to in those two chapters of the Revelation, each church represents a time in the biblical fabric of history. And the Laodicean church is this church age. This one. So when he says... To the church of Laodicea, he's speaking to the church age that you and I are living in. And he said, I know your deeds. This is church-wide, globally, that you're not hot and you're not cold. I wish you were one or the other. Man, I wish you were one or the other, but... You're not. You're lukewarm. And because the church of Laodicea, because the church of this dispensation, this age, is lukewarm, he says, I can't even pellet you. And I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a reality. We don't get to accept God's word only when it talks about blessing and finances. The atmosphere in our country is rapidly becoming toxic, septic, and unhealthy. You can determine whether a political environment is healthy or not simply by measuring how much fear there is in the atmosphere. Fear of one of the political parties that are vying for power in our country because of what they say they will do. What they say they will do generates fear. When that happens, it isn't governance that that party seeks. It's power for power's sake. It's called tyranny. When one party or group of individuals weaponizes their philosophy, their ideology, and their platform, completely alienating anyone who does not agree with their position. That is no longer governance. It's power, not for the people, nor by the people. It's power for the sake of advancing an agenda regardless of the people. An agenda that seeks to subjugate, not liberate. When a candidate brags that if elected, they will be the single most progressive president in the history of our nation, while openly admitting that they know, I've never heard this in my life, that they will only be a one-term president, while projected to select a running mate, an ultra-radical, uber-progressive socialist, bent on fundamentally changing America at its core, did we not hear that going into the 2008 election? Has that not happened? It has been said that when you hear someone speak from their heart, believe them. Moving on. Bent on fundamentally changing America at its core, gutting the current democratic republic in favor of socialism and that they will be the next default successor for the next presidential bid so as to further that party's socialist agenda, you know that you are in a war between right and wrong, light and dark, good and evil. Furthermore, when that, and this is where it's going to sound like I'm getting uber political. I'm not. Please listen. Hang with me. Furthermore, when that political party, hear me now, fears the armed citizenry of their country and brags about, more than that, promises that they will actively pursue Disarming that same populace by circumventing their Second Amendment rights, then there is a genuine crisis facing that country. Now, I don't know how many of you are historians, but this is not the first time in history that this has happened. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, looking at me. Eyes wide open. We need to live eyes wide open. Now the thing about this country, it was a country founded on individual freedoms and individual liberty. And that was, at its inception, based on the fact that they came from a world of tyranny, the people who came from the old world to the new, 
They were known as the founders. And they lived through tyranny. Make no mistake. Statements like I just made about circumventing the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States and disarming citizenry isn't about the so-called gun culture. It's not what it's about. Furthermore, those comments are not about the National Rifle Association or anything even remotely associated. That's not why I'm saying these things. That statement is about the fact that if you enjoy your First Amendment rights, and if you enjoy your Fourth Amendment rights, as found in the Bill of Rights, whether you own a gun or not, whether you even ever even think about the right to bear arms or not, or whether you even believe in gun ownership or not, but you do believe in what our country was founded on and how it is supposed to function based on what it was founded on, you as born-again members of the kingdom of God, standing up for what is right and true and light, had better stand up for your Second Amendment rights, whether you give a care about a firearm or not. Because without your Second Amendment rights, you will lose your First Amendment rights. And you will lose your Fourth Amendment rights and every other right that a socialist-run government doesn't want you to have. You better believe that. And I'm not saying that because I'm a prophet of doom. Ladies and gentlemen, if I'm a prophet of doom, Cookie Monster is my associate pastor. I'm not a prophet of doom. I see what's going on now and what was, has happened throughout history. You th- Solomon said it. Is, there's nothing new under the sun. This isn't new. This is as ancient as Lucifer himself. Moving along. Bottom line. Your Second Amendment rights keep the rest of your rights safe. The saying that is attributed to John Basil Barnhill from a series of debates on socialism that he participated in, published back in 1914, says this, quote, When governments fear the people, there is liberty. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. The strongest reason for the people to retain the right to keep and bear arms is, as a last resort, to protect themselves against tyranny in government. End quote. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is going to sound like so much drama, theater, and bravado, but we may have slipped past the time where the people can put the fear of God in the government. The fact of the matter is that the disarming of the population of a country is not because of domestic gun violence. It is not. That narrative is a lie. It is, however, about eliminating citizens' ability to oppose tyrannical policies that an armed populace would be highly motivated to stand up to and rise up against. And while we're there, and as a side note, let me say this. If gun violence is in fact the real motive behind disarming an armed populace, then why is it always at the end of a gun that socialist Marxist 
communists and anarchists and the like enforce their policies and their demands on the subjugated people. Now, I realize that this kind of talk is a bit surreal for many and is kind of the kind of talk that lends itself towards the conspiracy theorist. I want you to understand something that coming into the pulpit normally, I'm okay. Spirit of the Lord is, you know, helping me move forward and so on. Each and every week that I have started this series, I am in a war to bring you the truth that God is giving me to deliver to you. I'm going to tell you a fact. Every time I approach this sanctuary on a Sunday morning, I am a nervous wreck as to think what you're going to think about what I'm bringing from this pulpit, and normally I don't care. Not that I don't care about you. It's that this is such a deviation from the good old gospel preaching that we as modern day Christians are so used to. And all week long, I fight the enemy of our soul because of these messages. I covet your prayers. Because this isn't going to stop anytime soon. Why? Because he's not going to stop anytime soon. So I realize that this stuff is a little prepper, conspiracy theorist, black helicopters. I get it. I also realize that many people genuinely believe, sitting right here, right now, not to mention the masses outside of these doors, genuinely believe that this could never happen in the United States of America. After all, it is America. It could never happen here. It's America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the birthplace of baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Where we grew up with our doors unlocked where we walked to school every day without fear, where we left for the sand lot early on Saturday morning and didn't come home until dinner, and surprise, surprise, mom didn't even worry about where we were. And this is America. This is where my baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. It's America. All the young people just dropped out because they have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, how many know that song? All right. Worship rehearsal. Ready? Here we go. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. If you ask me why, I'll say, because Oscar Mayer has a way with B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Tell me us old folk ain't cool. It could never happen here. Right? Let me ask you some questions, or a question. Are we so vain? Are we so naive as to think that our nation is really so different? Really so special that it could be immune to the fate that has befallen nations without number throughout history that ignored the Lord their God? Are we that naive? Are we that vain? 
watch the news over the decades and watch some group of people subjugated to some tyrannical rule and we say, oh dear God, how terrible. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to stand up and act like the kingdom of God. Now, you're not going to raise swords to the United States government, but you can raise swords to the kingdom of darkness. Hello! Galatians 6 and 7 says this regarding that vanity or that naivete. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So does a country. On July 30th, 1956, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed into law a bill declaring, In God We Trust, to become the nation's official motto. Under the legislation, Congress further mandated that the phrase be printed in capital letters on every denomination of U.S. paper currency. I know I read that. That was actually in an era where Congress actually did something. Oh, did I say that out loud? I thought I was thinking it. That motto has held true for decades. However, that motto... And the truth behind it has faltered in recent history. And if we allow a progressive, socialist, Marxist government to take control of America, in God we trust will be yet another historic monument pulled down, disposed of, and regulated to the dust heap of history, along with the religion that inspired it and the country that adopted it. If we're not careful... The only God we're going to be trusting in is the one that we trust in behind closed doors out of fear. It's okay. I'm going to conclude right now. I'm going to shut this down. On September 18th, 1787, a man by the name of James McHenry, while serving as a delegate from Maryland, at what would later be known as the Constitutional Convention, recorded in his diary the following exchange between Dr. Benjamin Franklin and one Mrs. Powell of Philadelphia. This is what he recorded, quote, A lady asked Dr. Franklin, Well, doctor, what we got? A republic or a monarchy? A republic, replied the doctor. If you can keep it. Having nothing in common with those that are attempting to usurp this government and the way we do things. Can we keep it? There's the question. That's the $64,000 question of the day. How do we approach keeping it? How do we even try when so many in the body of Christ have adopted the world as their pattern of living as opposed to the Word of God? How is it we even go about attempting to keep it? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Healing something that's sick is infinitely easier than raising something from the dead that's passed. I'm going to quote it. I'm going to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. You know, the Old Testament, this is a time where the Old Testament needs to be looked at long and hard. Because the prophets of God would come to Israel and come to Judah after, the, after Solomon's passing and the division of the country into two separate kingdoms. Pretty much life in Israel and Judah took a spiral. And they began living like the surrounding countries, ignoring their God. 
And the prophets would always come and they would say, look, guys, you, uh, I really hate to tell you this, but y'all are toast. I, I, there's, there's, a, there's a king coming and he is going to wade through you like water in a children's pool. And you're going to be destroyed. Your cities will be razed to the ground. You will be taken into exile. It's going to happen. But please know that there's coming a day when all of this is going to come to an end. And that's kind of the, pro- the prophetic profile that the people of the, old, the prophets of the Old Testament would take. They'd speak the truth of judgment and then they'd speak the grace of God for the future. prophet came along the man of God came along and he said listen everybody I need you to pay attention because God, God is speaking and this is what he's saying now this, this comes in a much larger conversation but this is, the, the, this is the verse that every one of you can quote if my people would just humble themselves and pray. If they would just seek my face. If they would just seek my face. If they would stop living like they're not my people. Turning from all the wickedness that they do. Now we don't call it wickedness. You and I, we don't call it wickedness. We call it, it's a sale on a new big screen TV. That's what we call it. What's wrong with a big screen TV? In and of itself, nothing at all. But when you've already got three at the house. Lauren Venable needs your money. Because they're killing babies. That's why it's wicked. I'd rather have a new ATV than save some babies. Oh, I didn't think about babies. I never think about the lost babies. I know. Because you're not seeking my face. And you're living in your wicked ways. That's what the prophet was saying. That's what God was saying. If my people would just do that? I mean, after all, we're the called by His name. His name has called us. Just humble yourself. Humility means you don't have to have the ATV or the, 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 the watercraft or the television Because you're subject to His Lordship. Guys, I don't know if you know this right now, but the Spirit of the Lord is telling you something. You. He says if that will just happen, if they'll just act like my people. He said... That's when I'm going to hear. Do you realize how many times in the Old Testament God says, you're going to pray and I'm not going to hear you. I will not hear you. He says that to His people. Pray all you want. I'm not listening. He says that. But if they'll just humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, that's when I'm going to hear you. Because I'm not hearing you now. And the first thing that I'm going to do is forgive their sins. But after I've forgiven them and they're acting like my people, That's when I'll heal their land. And not a moment before.
the hope in all of this dismal stuff is that he has a plan to heal the land if the people of God would just start acting like people of God. The Laodicean church, I see what you're doing. That's what he said. I see what you're doing. Man, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're not. You're, you're just lukewarm. And I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm talking about the church. You're just disgusting in my mouth and I'm spitting you out. I can have hot stuff because hot stuff, you make cool things out of hot stuff. I can have cold stuff because cold water is awesome. But you're lukewarm, which means you've been sitting out. You've been doing nothing. You're just ambient temperature. And when water is ambient temperature, it means it's the same temperature inside the glass as it is outside the glass. And the church of Jesus Christ in 2020 right now is the same temperature inside the church as it is outside the church. The reality is, is that he's spewed us out of, our, out of his mouth. You're not getting your prayers answered because he's not listening. If my people who are called by my name would just start acting like they're called by my name, humble themselves, pray, turn from the sin that they're committing, and we are committing sin, that's when I'll hear them. I'm on my throne. I'm waiting for the call. I'm sitting right here. Schedule's open. My day planner doesn't have a thing written in it. And I'm waiting for the call. I'll hear you when you do those things. And not a moment before. Why? Because the church is the same temperature as the world. Stand with me this morning. He has a plan to forgive and to heal the land. That's the hope. That's the hope. He's got it already under control. He's got it. The question is, how's the church going to react? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what we're going to do if we find ourselves living in a world where we have nothing in common. Find a place to pray right now. Wear your mask if you want to, but find a cell, you find yourself a place to pray. Cry out, cry out, cry out. Ilanda mama rata siki baba rasha tamama marondo bobokosi Ilonda mama marande baba kasiki de marondo bobobosi Ilanda mama marondo bokosi kita barasa tababa baba rondo moroto loroto moronde mama baba rondo borokoro borota siki mama marondo Ilanda maroko sata baronda mama bakashi kada barata Ilanda 
Hila Taraboronda Memorondo Morocosa Catabarra Hasi keep up a rondo Morocosa Tababarondo Ilondo Marataba Casiki Nemarataba Rondo Bobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobobob